Welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by Lightite, a hub for ideas, education, and well, a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Not quite at a Ivy League school, but this place you might consider the Ivy League of Lighting, Lamb Partners. Sitting here with the senior associate, Jennifer Sanborn, she has nearly a decade of experience in lighting. A former grad of Penn State, got a little bit of a foe with her since I am a buff, but architectural lighting brings us all together at the end of the day. Jennifer, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. How are things going? They're great. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. It's fun to have you here. It's fun to catch up a little bit more and talk about lighting. But before we dive into lighting and what it means to be creative and to create empathy and emotion and and convey all of that, tell us, who is Jennifer and how did you get into lighting? That is a very long story, but I'll try to keep it brief. It's okay. We got all day. Okay. I actually did a drafting class in high school and a internship at a civil engineering firm. And I loved the idea of CAD and getting into buildings. So I decided to go to a school that offered both engineering and architecture. I wasn't accepted into the architecture program because I didn't have a portfolio. So architectural engineering was my fallback. And Not many people have engineering as a fallback decision. That's impressive. Yeah, it was a tough one. So once I was in architectural engineering, I actually discovered lighting. And I was like, this is a perfect balance between the engineering side, my left side of the brain, and the architecture side, my right side of the brain. So... They should call it the left-right degree. It really is. Yeah, you know, it totally is. Totally grabs you and engages you in two completely different ways, which I think is fascinating. Everybody says lighting is part art. Lighting is part science. It is. And when you look at light as a science, it also acts as a particle and a wave. So let's just really complicate things right off the bat. But all things aside, you went to Penn State. You found architectural engineering. You graduated from there. Where'd you go? I then went down to the Maryland area and uh, I worked for an engineering firm. I really felt like I was missing something. So from there, I went out to the West Coast and I did some lighting design out there. Ultimately, the West Coast was not for me being from the East Coast. No way. The West Coast is the best coast. Oh, I don't know. All right. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. East Coast isn't too bad, especially this time of year. Yeah. So I actually went back to the East Coast and checked out New York City, you know, the heart of lighting design, came back to New England for family reasons, and here I am. Well, here you are. You've been at Land Partners for going on five years, and you've got a great group of people here. It's a fun culture. You guys seem to bounce around the office just talking about lighting nonstop. I wanted to catch up with you a little bit more about emotion and how we create emotion with light. What does that mean to you? Well, it's very interesting to talk about lighting as emotion because no one really realizes that lighting creates an emotion in the space, whether you try to or not. And I really try to educate my clients on that. Depending on what you light or how you light the space, it really emphasizes what you're trying to portray or really hurts the design overall. When you talk about what you want to portray. So a space such as a boutique restaurant, A good example I could use would be a lot of women out there, including myself, if it's date night on a Saturday, you get all dolled up and makeup and your hair done and 
it's really to make yourself feel confident and sexy and it's not really for anyone else, but doing that is kind of what we do with lighting. You know, you emphasize certain things, you create hierarchy, you light it in a certain way to create that romance or even somber if that's the the kind of emotion that you're going for in the space. You talk about, you know, getting dolled up and having fun. You can do that with light. But what's interesting is lighting is dynamic too. You don't just always have to set the scene and let it go, right? You can change that outfit. You can change that personality. For sure, for sure. So a lot of times with hotels, we'll do tunable white. So if a space is well daylit, we'll do like a cooler light to emphasize the space better. And then as it gets into evening, you can tune it down to a warmer color temperature just to give that ambiance of nighttime and romance. And when you have that ability to control light, like you said, you can tune the color temperature, you can dim the luminaires. There's so much that goes into lighting as a practice and lighting as design. But what's interesting is it's almost a system approach today. There's so much that goes into it. Talk to me a little bit about what it means to look at that whole system and use that to create the emotion in a space that it is you want to achieve. It's a very complicated system, I would say. And it really starts with conversations with the the client and the owner and what are the expectations for the space? What are the client's expectations? What's the owner's expectations? And also what's the budget expectations? Because if you start going down the rabbit hole of controls, you could add a big budget chunk to the project. So really understanding the pricing information and the types of products out there really is a unique aspect that a lighting designer can bring to the design. You mentioned you have to talk to the client. You have to understand what it is they... What's the goal? Yeah, what they want to look like, what they want to put on, what that outfit is for that space. And you mentioned it can change too. What do you do to collect that information? How do you dive into that process? So like I said, it's a conversation. It's a conversation with our clients. And a lot of times, depending on the client, it's bringing the knowledge of our past experience to them. The things that we've done in the past on past projects, things that we've learned about new technology giving them the options and new techniques to create the outfit or the experience that they want for the clientele that they're looking to bring to the space. When you look into the clientele that they're going to bring into the space, the outfit that they want to put on, do you feel like when you walk in the door, they know what that looks like? Or do you have to guide them through that? It really depends on the client. Sometimes we'll work with clients who know exactly what they want. They've done it before in the past, and then we'll work with them to implement it. And other clients don't really necessarily know what's out there and what's available. So we'll bring that knowledge to them and help create that atmosphere that they're looking for. So it's really listening to what the client's saying, but also reading in between the lines and picking up on the nuances of what they maybe aren't vocally telling us, but through their actions or through the design, are hoping for. So a lot of times when we start a project, we will ask the client, the architect, the interior designer, the landscape architect, how did they come up with their design, right? So every designer ideally has come up with their design somehow. Whether it's, I worked on this hotel in Nashville, they had, they really wanted to bring out the the Nashville music industry and the local culture down there. So they started with that. 
and to listen to how they brought that into the hotel was very interesting because then we could take that information and run with it, right? So really finding out that story and how they came up with the massing of the building or the materials that they used in the lobby on the floor or why do they have a piano sitting in the corner of the lobby? All of that information is very crucial to us, even though it might not be something we'd be lighting, but all of that information is helpful in understanding the story and reading in between the lines of what they're asking for without them even knowing they're asking for it. You mentioned something really interesting. They're asking for it, but they don't even know they're asking for it. Often lighting is the unsung hero in a space. People take it for granted. The lights are on half the time, or maybe there's an automated control system that turns them on and off at certain times of days, or an occupancy sensor that triggers everything for you. As lighting designers, you think about lighting nonstop. You live, eat, breathe, and sleep lighting. Design. The people in the design community also have the opportunity to at least maybe know of the fact that lighting has to be designed to an extent, and there's a group of people who do it. But most people take lighting for granted. And you mentioned earlier, some people know good lighting, but everybody knows bad lighting. Oh yeah, totally. So you mentioned that they're asking for it, but they don't know they're asking for it. Give me an example of that. A good example of where a client is saying one thing, but asking for another is, I want this space to feel welcoming and I want this space to feel open. But then they ask for a fixture that only offers direct illumination, such as a downlight. And then they're painting the ceiling completely black, which we can't uplight. And those are very different outcomes, right? You can't uplight a black ceiling and get any outcome from that. And when you downlight a space, that's going to give you a very different effect than openness. So sometimes we have to remember that when a client says one thing, an emotion that they're trying to gain from the space, but then they send us something that has a certain layout, they're not necessarily knowledgeable of how they're going to achieve that emotion and that outcome. So we need to be the experts on it and come back and say, hey, by the way, you can actually achieve this by doing it this way rather than what you've proposed. Absolutely. When you look at your profession as a lighting designer, it's all about creating emotion with light. People say paint the, the space with light or talking about working around the parameters that exist to create a comfortable environment, to create emotion. You mentioned that not everybody necessarily has the right idea of what style of lighting is appropriate to convey a certain emotion. So I've got to ask, do you have a secret binder that says for this emotion, do this, for this emotion, do that? What's the process that you go through to think about creating that emotion once you hear it, once you're able to kind of read between the lines? Actually, Penn State teaches the Flynn modes. And Dr. Flynn, back in the 80s, I believe, did a whole study on perceived emotion in a conference room quite like this, where he lit the conference room differently and had the same foot candle levels on the table. And he had a bunch of people come in at different times, and there's no daylight, and fill out a survey of the space and if it was comfortable or if it was hazy, if it was open or spacious. 
And I really took that lesson to heart. And that's actually where I start my designs. How do I create openness? How do I create drama? I always start with that knowledge. And of course, I critique it to what the current design is on the project and what the client's goals are. Well, I tell you what, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk Flynn. We're going to talk about those different ways of creating emotion while still having the same amount, which hopefully is the right amount of light in the space. Sound good? Sure. Hey, real quick, it's Sam. The Light Pod is brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. They bring you content that's fun and easy to share, listen, and watch, like short two-minute videos for this podcast. Check them out. That's lytei.com. And welcome back. Over the break, Jennifer and I were just chatting a little bit more about that emotion of light and how lighting relates to fashion a little bit too. But before we get there, let's talk just a little bit more about the Flynn modes and how lighting surfaces or using surfaces as light can create and convey certain emotion in a space. What we learned about Dr. Flynn in the 1970s. It was the 70s, it was wasn't this, it? It's always the 70s. The 70s, well, man. He did this study about lighting surfaces in this room. And just want to remind you, you can't see light unless it actually hits a surface. I try to teach that to the students that I taught where a downlight, you can't see the beam of light coming out that downlight unless it hits a surface, until it hits the wall, until it hits the floor, until it hits a table. Or there's a bunch of dust or dirt right. or, or smoke in the room. Exactly. And ideally, your nice buildings do not have any of that. No, absolutely not. So Dr. Flynn lit this space in a couple of different ways. I believe there was five or six different ways. And he did different layers. And he either lit the ceiling, lit the front wall, lit the side walls, uh, either lit the ceiling up or direct downlight onto the table. And it really showed us as students how a space, the same space, could provide or produce a different emotion. So like if you do just direct lighting, that could either be very romantic and very dramatic, or it could be very confining, like you're in an interrogation room. If maybe you're in a conference room and all you have is direct light, I would actually feel very uncomfortable in that because I'd feel like I'm in a spotlight. But if I'm in a restaurant and there's a pool of light on my table, it's almost like a candle in the middle of my table and firelight. It's a little bit more romantic. So it really depends on that mood that you want to create for that space. Lighting one vertical surface would probably create a more calming feel and lighting multiple vertical surfaces would create a more spacious feel as well as uplighting a space would create a more spacious feel. But if you only uplight a space, it actually starts to feel kind of hazy and overcast, like an overcast day. Keeping all that in mind when I start a new design and listening to the client and understanding what the project goals are at the end is very important. Because if somebody says they want to put only downlights in a space, and we'll go back to your example of the conference room versus the restaurant. Let's just throw in coffee shop too, right? That emotion that they want to create can be achieved so long as the right lighting solution's in place. Right. So while everybody thinks, oh, downlights come out of the ceiling and put light on the surface, 
if that was the only luminaire in the space, the only place the light was coming from to strike that surface so, so that we could see the light, as you mentioned, it might end up being a sticky situation right. in the sense that one application, although it can deliver light in another application, isn't the same emotion that you actually want to convey. Correct. And that's reading between the lines. Right. And I'm not saying downlights are bad for a conference room because you always want to have multiple layers in a space. The downlights can definitely give you that general illumination on the table that you're looking for. But I would also recommend lighting the vertical surface at the front of the room to help create a calmness or even the side walls to help create spaciousness or openness. Absolutely. Layers of light come into play and creating a sense of openness and spaciousness, but then also having maybe that more low light mode. People often refer to it as maybe AV mode when they used to pull those projector screens down from the ceiling back in the day. Uh, just another example of how spaces adapt and evolve in terms of what's going into them. And how, as a lighting designer, you have to kind of plan for the worst or maybe just plan for the unknown, which creates both opportunity and challenge at the same time. As you mentioned, layers of light, lighting the walls, lighting the ceiling, lighting the floor, lighting the task. Talk to me just a little bit more about what it means to take all of that into consideration as it relates directly to that emotion. Or maybe I should say, talk to me just a little bit more about creating emotion and being able to adapt that emotion within a single space. As a lighting designer, in order to do the layers of light, you really need to understand the space as, as a 3D element. Lighting is 3D, right? As I mentioned earlier, you don't see light until it hits a surface. You can't really work off of just an RCP. You need to know the walls. You need to know the floor. You need to know the furniture. You need to know where the TVs are. You need to know where the gathering spaces are. You need to know what the important spaces or the important views are. Having those conversations early on in even conceptual phase is very important. I know graphics and the marketing team usually comes in after the fact to do graphics on the walls or artwork on the walls, it'd be really great to have that information earlier on in the project so we know where to really direct people's views. What also should be happening earlier in the project is to get us engaged earlier on the project. As I mentioned, lighting is all about emotions. In the beginning of the project, that's already being discussed. And that's one thing we should know about and we can help during concept phase, during SD phase. How do we really integrate the lighting into the design and make it part of the design? How will the lighting affect the space as it's currently designed? Or we can give recommendations during those phases of how to really place the light fixtures to create that emotion to reach that goal. Absolutely. Let's just go back to that restaurant versus conference room example. You have a table in a conference room, you have a table in a restaurant. But how you place the light may convey a completely different emotion, but you need to know what that table is. You need to know how tall it is. Where is it being placed? How many people are going to be sitting around it? Why? Well, why do you need to know where people are sitting around the table? That's a very good question. If you have downlight, you really have to worry about the shadows or the raccoon eyes that you can create. 
that's a big conversation I have with clients in restrooms, actually, and at the vanity. A lot of clients want to put the downlight right over the sink. Well, okay, you need to have a sconce to really get that vertical illumination on the face. If you are going to have more of a downlight to highlight that table, it should be a very narrow beam to put that pool of light where you want it. And so that it doesn't actually hit the forehead of the person that you're staring at across the table. And then they've got these huge bags under their eyes. That's not very romantic and sexy. And why did I put on all of this makeup if I'm going to look like a raccoon? Thinking about that and even having the conversation with our clients, so they can have the conversation with the restaurant owner and the workers. Are you going to be placing candles on those tables? Do you want to have battery-powered fixtures on those tables? Because that's really going to get the vertical illumination on those faces that we're looking for. Wait, candles aren't just for ambiance? Heck no. (laughs) (laughs) We love those things. Those are very useful. How many people know candles are the primary source of light on their face at dinner? It goes back to caveman days. You know, fire. Everybody wants to be around the fire. It's just inherent in us. It goes back to the caveman days. All right, well, we're fast forwarding from caveman to modern fashion. I'm going to let you bring it all together because you mentioned fashion early on, and we're going to talk about it to finish it too. When you start to think about what lighting design is in a process, and then you talk about fashion and what goes into a fashion statement, just ask Lady Gaga, what is lighting design when it comes to talking about fashion? Lady Gaga is awesome. Fashion as it relates to lighting, I like to think lighting is an extension to interior design and architecture. To relate it to fashion, lighting is the jewelry that you put on your outfit or the belt that you put on or the sash that you put on. It's a layer added on to complete the outfit, to really make that outfit, to give you that extra confidence before you walk in for your romantic date. The lighting will make or break the design. Because as beautiful as a perfect dress that's brand new, that's been put on for the first time might look, and the great shoes, what good is it without those earrings or that bracelet or maybe all the jewelry in the space? Right. Like all the layers of light in a space, right? Lighting very much so could be simple. It could be understated. It could be muted. It could be over the top and overzealous. It could be a... Just like jewelry. It could be a 50 carat diamond. It could be something from Claire's. Everybody remembers Claire's back in the day, right? It's where every uh, teenage kid bought their jewelry probably for the first time. It's where I got my ears pierced. As I say, it's where everybody got their ears pierced. Well, I think the fashion analogy is really powerful because it does make sense. There's many things that go into a fashion statement. And without one of them, the total look changes. It does. And when you have a design, there's many things that go into design. But without one of them, the look changes. I'd have to say I'm a little biased, but lighting probably has one of the bigger influences because what do you do when you walk into a dark room? You can't see. And you turn the lights on. Exactly. Jennifer, this has been an awesome conversation. It's been really fun to catch up with you, talk a little bit more about what emotion and light do hand in hand and and how you can convey one with the other. What's the best way to get in touch with you if anybody has a question or wants to continue the conversation? Shoot me an email, jennifer at lambpartners.com. I am constantly on my email. 
If you have any questions or need just a quick feedback on a design that you're working on, just let me know. And if you want to talk about Flynn, you can also email Jennifer. And if you want to talk about fashion, you can also email Jennifer. Thanks so much, Jennifer. It's been great to be here. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. See you. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to go back to wherever you listen to it and click that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's the best way to make sure you never miss another LightPod, where we interview people that are excited about learning, that have cool stories, and want to share their thoughts on what's on their mind today. Until then, cheers. Cheers.